So remember growing up and playing board games and all of the skills that it unknowingly taught you in retrospect, whether it was accounting, keeping track of money, just learning shapes and sizes, learning how to deal with competition. Today, I'm super excited because we have Amishi with us, who's the founder of Upcyclers Lab, a company that creates environmental-themed-based learning tools for kids. Her vision is an ambitious one, to change the mindset and change behavior around sustainability with kids at an early, early age. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Bear Thoughts. I'm so excited to be here, Seth. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Not at all. Can you just start off by telling us about yourself? Sure. So um, I run this company called Upcyclers Lab. And what we're trying to do through Upcyclers Lab is we're trying to change uh, mindset and behavior around the environment. Um, and we're doing this by creating play-based learning tools for young children who are between the ages of two and nine on environmental topics. So we create board games on topics like waste segregation, puzzles on topics like responsible actions and energy conservation. Uh, we also cover topics like ocean conservation, renewable energy, um, and other such environmental topics. So. Um, the goal is that since most behavior in adults is developed by the age of nine, we're trying to create interventions that are, uh, you know, in early education and for very young children, um, just so that their kind of perspective on the environment is defined at a very early age. And uh, so that they can they can realize from a very early age that uh, nature is something that is uh, that they have to coexist with. And it's not something that they see as just a resource um, that they can just take and take from. So so that's basically the the vision and what we're trying to do. And uh, right now we work. So we started we, we worked uh, in a lot of different fields. Um, before we got to this particular uh, stage, we tried to sell our products online, we sold to parents, uh, we sold to schools, we sold to teachers. And now what we realized is that we wanted to make big impact. So instead of just having like a few hundred people or a few thousand people use our product and then wait for it to catch on, um, we wanted to make like impact with millions of students um, at one go, you know. So currently we work with governments, uh, which is where the the largest amount of our revenue comes from. So we're working with the Kuwaiti government and the Singapore government. And in Kuwait, uh, they're going to be making our products a uh, part of the Green Schools program there. Um, and in Singapore as well, it's going to be uh, compulsory in in a whole bunch of schools um, in a district in Singapore and hopefully in more districts very soon. So, so you know, through this method, we can kind of impact people across social socioeconomic sort of um, barriers. And then also like because it's it's led by government, we know that there will be a lot more impact. We're able to impact more um, students with just one client. Um, and this is what we're trying to do. Um, of course, our products are still available for, you know, consumers otherwise who feel that they want to be, uh, you know, conscious and they want to buy our products. Um, and then we sell them through our website and Amazon and a bunch of other platforms. Thank you so much for telling us all about Upcyclers Lab. Can you also tell us a little bit about yourself? So how did you sustainability <laughs> journey? How did you get into this? Uh, where did you grow up? What are your sources of inspiration? Tell us about Amishi before Upcyclers Lab. Definitely. So yes, I think it's a it's a common thing for the entrepreneur to just talk about the company, and then basically there's no separate entity. It's like your company is you. Okay. Um, so I'm glad that you're asking me about me as a person. I need to think more about that one. 
um but yeah so basically i started this i started in the space of waste and environment in 2013 i was um my education a lot of people ask me what i studied and it's very different i studied finance uh as my undergraduate degree and then i worked in finance for a bit and then i went abroad to do my masters in business um and that's when actually when i went abroad when i was in uk i i realized uh, you know something clicked for me because i had this professor who who had reached the epitome of finance right like he had worked on wall street and then he had worked in london in the financial markets and he was making like all the money that you can make in finance and then he left all of that to go and help set up gramin bank in bangladesh and he spoke about how fulfilling that was um and then of course he came and became a professor at my university but he was really uh, the person who got us introduced to the concept of social enterprise and the concept of sustainable organizations as well and uh, in in general in 2012 in uk i think there was a large shift towards upcycling and um waste management and and environment and sustainability so i think i was i was kind of caught in that wave because i saw that all around me when i was there um and then when i came back to india i realized that this doesn't exist here yet you know there isn't anyone talking about upcycling still there isn't anyone talking about um creativity in waste uh, that's what i feel was super important because a lot of the times people speak about recycling and they talk about segregation and and then there's there's this whole other spectrum where you can you know be creative with your waste and no one was talking about that and that for me was really inspiring and uh, i started upcycling on the weekends um, along with my full si- full time job um that i did during the weekdays and then 6 months of doing that and i realized that there's an opportunity here or uh, something that can be explored and in india is such a big market and the the problem is so complex in india because everything is so uh, disorganized um so there's there's while it's a big problem there's also a huge opportunity there so that's when i kind of decided to you know just get into the space uh, completely and i quit my job to start the upcycle project which is my first company um full time and then the the goal of that company as well was to change behavior through well designed products so we used uh, waste plastic post consumer waste plastic to create products that people could buy that were decorative products um and the goal was to start conversations to start um get people thinking about what waste could look like um but for years five years of doing that we saw a lot of traction where sales was concerned and we saw a lot of traction where media was concerned but we didn't see any change happening in behavior and we didn't see those adults kind of talking about this problem once they made the purchase and that really got me thinking as to does this make sense uh you know because if if i just want to make products uh, i can make it from virgin plastic and that's actually better for me because virgin plastic is so much easier to work with and people don't get that um and so and so i i kind of uh, at the time i was thinking about what i wanted to do and i was working on this not for profit project with the global shapers uh, the mumbai hub called bottle bricks and we worked with about 1500 students and waste plastics and we created eco bricks um with these students and then uh, when i was working with these students i realized that these these young guys can be like real change makers right so um kids were actually not just getting their parents and their teachers involved but they're getting like local political parties involved they were getting the bmc involved in this whole conversation and um you know that's when it clicked that i kind of had to do something with kids and then in 2018 uh, was when i started um, upcyclers lab 
um, as as you see it today and what I spoke about before was our two years journey so far. Uh, so for me personally, uh, waste was a big motivator, of course, in UK. But then when I look back now, retrospectively, I see that even when I was a younger, uh, when I was a young kid, when I was about maybe 11 or 12, I used to travel abroad uh, with my parents every summer. And uh, my father loved to travel. And then we would come back and I would see that, you know, I saw Indians abroad in, in Singapore or in America who would like really follow the rules and not litter and be really mindful about, you know, what they're doing. And then they would come to India and then, you know, you'd have these like really big fancy cars and someone just rolls down the window and throws their waste out, right? And that used to be a very big pet peeve for me. So now when I think back, I remember uh, actually my friends calling me Kachrawali because I used to go back and like pick pe- take people's waste once they littered um, and like throw it, in the, throw it in the bin. So I see that my roots now, like I see that the kind of root for this was a lot earlier in life. Um, but yeah, this is kind of how the whole journey transpired after my education. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So if someone from finance makes the transition to some more sustainability, then you start retailing products using post-consumer recycle material, and then you decide to work on more behavior change elements. That's really cool. Yes. Um, today, just this morning, actually, on a webinar, I heard someone describe you as a behaviorist. Do you want to tell us a little bit about <laughs> interest in behavioral economics and how do you think that creates environmental impact or behavior change? Um, so for me, I got uh, really excited about this as I started studying more and more about when behavior gets formed when I was doing my research uh, for Upcyclers Lab. And I saw what what I saw shocked me, you know, because I always believed and thought that I had um, agency when I was making a choice. Right. So I always believe that, OK, I make a certain choice because, uh, you know, I, I am able to make that choice. But uh, when I started studying about this a little bit more, I realized that that's actually not true. Very often we make, um, especially in the space of consumption, we make choices that marketers want us to make. Um, right. Because of the way the product is positioned, the way the product is packaged. And that's um, done on so much research and they know you so well. Uh, they have so many data points on you that um, they know you're going to make that choice because of the way they positioned it to to kind of feed into that need. And then um, while that sounds really evil and sinister, uh, you know, I thought that was such such an important uh, way for us to bring light to good. Um, because a lot of the times what happens is that we don't translate this very mainstream marketing knowledge and marketing techniques um, of behavior uh, and of behavior change and how they do it um, to to for social good. So we don't think about these things when we're talking about sustainability, which is why a lot of the tools that people make, a lot of the things that are designed are very drab, very uh, focused on education. Uh, and it's not something that, you know, the, the layman wants to consume. So uh, how do we actually change that, right? Like, how do we make it palatable for the person to consume and still kind of meet our environmental agenda and give them the necessary information that is needed for them to make a good choice? So that's when I started reading up about nudges and and thinking about how we can, um, you know, really, really build all of this into our fight against climate change. Um, so I, I can't say that I'm a behaviorist. I'm not there yet, but I... I definitely am on that journey and it's something that really interests me and excites me. What was kind of the inspiration behind the games that you create? 
Um, like, how do you go through the process of creating it? Do you do a mock-up? Do you sit and brainstorm with your teammates? Like, what is that process of creating these games? So for us, um, when I started out, we didn't want to create our own games just internally because that's the mistake I think a lot of people have made. Um, even when we were working with the Kuwaiti government, the organization that we're working with there actually told us they've been trying to develop games since the last five years and they haven't been successful. Um, because really? when you look at it as, yeah, yeah. So when we came along, they were like, yes, this is what we were trying to make and we, we were failing. So we're very excited about this product. But um, I think when you look at it as just, you know, one stakeholder. And for me, my, my agenda is, environment right so when i'm looking at game design just from that perspective it's going to be a very boring game because for me the the main goal is to make sure that i get all the information in there and i give you you know all the possible data points and that's not how game design should work so um we actually brought in you know two designers who we we bring designers on board every year so we don't work with a single designer uh, we bring this new designers on board every year so that we have different perspectives we have great relationships with all our old designers so we go back to them for brainstorming as well so it's usually a bunch of two or three designers at the very least uh, working on this on the product uh, most of those designers when i say designers they're not just game designers they're actually specifically uh, have worked in creating children's products um, so they understand what are the skills that a child needs to develop at a certain age and how we can tie our product into that so that a parent is satisfied that this product not only teaches their kid about the environment, but it's also meeting, you know, all of the other milestones that a child's learning should meet. Um, so we bring these game designers on board. We come in with the perspective of sustainability. Um, we also bring in other experts. So we get a lot of people once we have like a basic prototype ready um so initially we like obviously go back and forth this small team of us and the game designers and we come up with concepts and then we come up with ideas on what the gameplay will actually look like and we create mock-ups uh, for that and then we test it out with a bunch of people including parents kids um mm -hmm. to get their perspective on it people from the education space to get their perspective on it and also other people from the environment space uh, design space as well and um, uh, when we're actually uh, doing this, we, we realize, you know, how we can kind of tweak it around and get all of these different perspectives into the product itself. So uh, at the very beginning, I think the first absolute first thing that we do is we define the outcomes. So for me, if I want to design a game, I start with, OK, I want to design a game on waste segregation. What are my three outcomes that I need? to come out of this game. So what should the child learn, right? So one could be like, okay, they should learn the types of waste. They should learn, they should know what waste goes into what bucket. Um, so those are my two most important learning outcomes. And then we actually start designing the, the gameplay. And then once the gameplay is designed, we create a mock-up, we test it several times, we come up with various iterations. Uh, we look at the challenges, pitfalls. I'm also a part of this board game design group, which is hardcore into board gaming. So they give their inputs. Um, and then we come up with uh, come up with a first line of product, um, which gets sold to the market. And then when we actually start selling, we get a lot more data points because that's a sustainable way to get feedback because people are actually paying for your product and then they buy it and then they say, this doesn't work or this works. So we really like this. We don't like this. Um, we didn't like the material. We didn't like this. 
you know, whatever it is. So then they come back to us with that feedback and then we improve and we do a second iteration. So uh, for us, I don't think we ever like launch a game and we never say like, this is it. Um, I think every year we're kind of fine tuning that a little bit more and, you know, getting better and better at it because we don't have like super deep pockets to be able to do like a huge, uh, you know, interview with like a million people and say, hey, this is the data points that we've come up with and this is the game we're going to design. So so we do this in a very like bootstrapped startup way where we start to sell our first iterations and then we get feedback and build on that. That is so cool. It's so great to hear like the process that goes behind creating each of those games. I have so much appreciation for all of those little tiny steps that I had no idea about. How do you incorporate circularity into the game itself? So you just mentioned that one of your games is on waste segregation. Um, but also, like, what are the materials that you use to make the products in the first place? Yeah, so that was a big learning for me, actually. Um, because uh, when we started out, uh, Upcyclers Lab, Upcyclers Lab started as an activity box company. So we, we, we made boxes using post-consumer waste because that was something. That's why it's called Upcyclers Lab. Uh, and that's why the name was Upcyclers Lab, because we created boxes that did like team activities. So that's art, science, math, technology, um, activities for kids all out of waste. Um, so we would do, you know, trash for toys kind of a format for science. We, we had art activities that also spoke about pollution and stuff like that. When I did that, I realized um, within a few months that we had customers from all over the country. And a lot of them even took the product and took it for their nieces and nephews abroad, uh, you know, took it to different countries elsewhere. And that really got me thinking, like, this is going to get, if this gets big and I'm I'm actually exporting my country's waste to another country, that doesn't make me feel good about that at all. Um, because, you know, the plastic recycling systems may not exist everywhere. It might be really different. Even in India, we had people from Dharamshala buying our product or like, you know, Shillong buying our product. And I don't know what the system is over there. I don't know if they have like a BMC that comes and collects and segregates and it's as efficient as Dharavi. Like, I don't know if that exists there. So um, that's when we moved to board games and storybooks and puzzles. And we uh, use only paper in our products. Um, we use only either recycled paper or FSC certified paper, uh, which basically means that the paper is ethically sourced from sustainable forests. And then uh, the product itself, uh, the reason again we designed board games is because it's more long lasting than a single science experiment which you will do once and then throw away um, so board game typically lasts at least a couple of years after that you can you know give it to your sibling you can give it to you can donate it to another charity or you could you know send it for recycling because it's completely paper so you can just like flatten it and send it and most countries globally most regions globally at least have a paper recycling system if not any other system um, so this is how we've tried to build in circularity in our processes itself as well. We we change uh, like if the game designer says, OK, you know, we need to have a one inch by one inch block, for example, on our board. Um, but if we when we're manufacturing, we realize that if we just made it like 0.75 by 0.75, we would be saving on an entire sheet of paper. We do that. So we change our designs to to fit the needs of the manufacturer and the sheet size that they have. And uh, we also don't use any plastic based varnishes, which is also why we don't um, a lot of people ask us, why don't you give, you know, sell in physical stores like Hamleys or Crosswords? Um, this is why, because a lot of those guys offline distributors require you to wrap your product in plastic 
for very uh, for very sensible reasons because you know people open the product and it gets damaged and then who's going to be liable for that but um this is actually why we uh, we don't supply offline as well it was a conscious decision we made and uh, this is these are some of the principles that we're using we don't use varnish we try to use um good quality inks that are edible but uh, of course of course there's still waste created in the process we're still not there yet where it's a completely zero waste product like yours but um th- this is what we've done so far Okay, Amishi, my question for you is how do the sustainable alternatives, in your case, sustainable games, compare with the alternative? What are ways in which we can redesign to actually compete with the currently existing games that are packaged in plastic, that are coated with varnish, etc.? So, uh, luckily in paper, it's a very, uh, the recycling process is very evolved. Um, so you get almost the same quality. There are enough technologies out there to give you really high quality recycled paper as opposed to plastics, right? Where plastics, still a lot of it is downcycled. It's not really recycled to the same quality level. So that doesn't happen with paper as much. Uh, there's some really great ways to recycle paper. There's some great companies out there that are doing very good quality FSC certified and recycled paper. So we haven't had that challenge yet because it is paper-based. Um refrain from using any kind of plastic obviously so even the inside is like corrugated uh, and we you know we have the box which is plain brown and now we've started just doing sleeves on top instead of having the print on the box so you can like essentially throw out the sleeve eventually or send it for recycling and then the box itself can be used for storage or for um, anything that you want to use at home um, eventually what we also want to do is like on our platform on our website we want to create a, a resource center where we're going to keep putting different DIY projects that they can do using our packaging and our product itself so once they're done with it after five years and they don't have a place where they can donate it or they don't have a place where they can recycle it they can actually upcycle it at home um, and we also want to in that same resource center build a list of charities um, which are close enough to all of the areas that we're selling. So hopefully we'll be able to gather that data and see that, okay, we're getting a lot of orders from Delhi. What are the five charities we can partner with to donate these particular products after use um, in Delhi? So that's something that we want to give the customer so that the customer doesn't have to do the work of actually going out and you know checking up on, on what's available near them. This is something that you mentioned in the beginning that I want to go back to is your EcoBix project. Uh, yeah. You- a little bit more about it and how other people maybe can get involved? Sure. So uh, the Ecobricks project was a project that I co-led with some other great shapers as a part of Global Shapers, which is a World Economic Forum Youth Initiative um, that, of course, Air, you're a part of as well in a different chapter. Um, so I'm a part of the Mumbai chapter and uh, we did this project called Bottle Bricks where we we essentially created EcoBricks. So EcoBricks is not a concept that I've made or that we've created. It's a concept that that is being used globally um, in low-income housing, in building low-cost structures. Um, so EcoBricking is essentially taking a large plastic bottle, a sturdy PET bottle, and filling it with thin plastics um, to get a half kg brick. And then people use these bricks to actually construct the same way you would use clay bricks. Um, um, so EcoBricks, uh, where we got to know about it from was this, it was happening in Indonesia and the Philippines. Um, and it's also being used in Guatemala. In Guatemala, they built about 110 schools using this material along with the children there. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we started uh, thinking about it and we said, 
hey why don't we do this in mumbai and it was actually uh, started this project was started by a friend of mine who's a shaper her name is krishna she's actually a mountaineer uh, she was one of the youngest indian women to uh, climb everest um at a very early age yeah yeah she's she's super cool and and then when she when she's climbing uh, when she's actually climbing everest and on a lot of her other expeditions she's done seven summits and all of that she saw how much waste was on the mountain where there was no human being and there was so much waste there and that you know was uh, a real pain point for her and then she came back and she just you know had this idea and she discussed it with me and then we started this project and then of course other shapers joined on and uh, ruchi akshat and i these other shapers we got together we worked with 1500 students from 50 schools uh, we partnered with another organization um to work with these students and then these students actually collected and made 7000 eco bricks uh, which is a lot of plastic that's right like yeah that's massive people don't understand how much half a kg of plastic is thin plastic because it's so light but like half a kg of thin plastics is essentially three to four bagfuls and like huge bagfuls of plastic which is a lot and um, when the, these kids actually made these eco bricks in a month and a half and they championed the cause they got everybody involved like i mentioned um and then we used these eco bricks we uh, constructed mumbai's first structure using these eco bricks um and we used uh, only bamboo natural mud cob uh, natch all other natural materials like natural stone uh, to make a security cabin using this material in bandra um it's open for everyone to see it's on a football ground and uh, it's sustained to mumbai monsoon so we know it works guys that's the normal mumbai monsoons are horrid <laughs> so yeah so this is what we made and this was a prototype a uh, project that we did the idea was to do a project that can prove that this model is sustainable for a country like india and for a city like mumbai and uh, now we have interest from lots of hubs globally and from people who globally who want to replicate this project so what we see our role as is now is to just kind of support them in executing their project and giving them all of the information that we have and the the technical knowledge that we kind of gained during two years of working on this project um so so yeah so this is kind of how people if they want to replicate this in their cities or in their towns um they can reach out to me and uh, i'll be happy to kind of along with other shapers guide them on how they can replicate this perfect thank you so much for sharing if anyone wants to get involved you know who to reach out to now um okay so really quickly in few words what does sustainability mean to you oh my god so much <laughs> uh in a few words i think uh, sustainability is is the one truth i think right now i don't think we can move beyond um and do anything else if we haven't tackled this problem and if you're not thinking about this problem in everything that we do so for me i think it's just an all encompassing truth right now because i think you and i people like us are so involved in this day to day and we read so much about it that we don't see anything else um so yeah that's how it is how it is for me as well okay what is that one piece of advice you'd like to give other entrepreneurs entrepreneurs kind of in the environmental space who want to start don't know where to start any advice that you'd like to give them i made this terrible mistake of just starting and uh, <laughs> you know not yeah. getting myself educated enough on it not going out and working uh, in this space before uh, i would really strongly recommend that people who want to start first at least to volunteer with organizations like ours 
or um, work or intern in organizations you know who that work in the environment and sustainability space and then like really narrow down on what they want to do because sustainability is, is a loosely used term that's thrown around for everything these days but it's a very very broad spectrum of activities so what is it that they want they are interested in within this broad spectrum and then work in that specific space and understand the ground reality because it's a very long very challenging road and it becomes like an addiction and you know once you get on board you can't really get out so it's better to really know what you're getting into um and so instead of like you know sometimes i, I just had a conversation with this young graduate two weeks ago who got back uh, from my alma mater uh, bath and she came back and she said hey i heard that you do this and i want to get into the environment space and then i had a one hour conversation with her and at the end of it she realized that you know she wanted a full time job in another space because this is not something she wanted to do all the time um and then but she still cared about this deeply so she wanted to volunteer instead or she wanted to work you know part time or give her skills as a consultant so i think there's other ways to help besides you know just being an entrepreneur because i think there's a lot to be said about collaboration in this space um as well so absolutely i really think they should think about what they want to do before they get in nice okay great um well it's been really lovely chatting with you thank you so much for sharing about your journey what sustainability means to you what you're trying to do um in you know creating behavior change and people's mindset around sustainability through fun awesome accessible games um that families and communities can play and of course all of your work outside of that as well with eco breaks it's been so much fun learning from you thanks so much for sharing thank you so much ahead i'm i'm so excited to have done this and your work is so amazing as well you remain an inspiration from the other side as well so <laughs> so much to learn still <laughs> hopefully we'll go together that's awesome yes yes all right